Hey there, everybody. Scott Durfee here with another podcast of Redeemed Through His Blood, as always, joined by David Durfee. What's up, Fired up to be here, Scott. This is awesome. This is, uh, what we're going to talk about today is one of my, maybe I say this every week, and if I do, it's true. It's one of my favorite topics that uh, we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we had a great podcast that'll come out that the, the one right before this last week's podcast talked about twin bullies. We started uh, fear and pride. We started talking a little bit about um, repentance, Dave, and I think that's where we're going to kind of uh, well, fear and pride, Scott, are the you, you know Elder Anderson chose to call those the twin bullies. Twin bullies. I, I used to call them the roadblocks to repentance. Um, but that's what those two things i mean of all the reasons all the excuses people give for not repenting those two are by far the major the major two that um are kind of the real source of our excuses and reasons not to repent is fear and irrational fear really uh fear sometimes i think prompted of from evil sources yeah, uh, Satan himself, I think, controls and mani- manipulates us through fear and pride, which is also how Satan. I think too. You know, us. it's interesting how those two things will show up in disguise of other emotions and other experiences in our lives, right? So, for example, right, right. you know, I'm on the phone this morning, early this morning, and it was almost like I was having a mirror experience because I had this experience with my sponsor you know, 10 or 12, maybe 15 years ago when I was dealing with this. But I, one of the guys that I sponsor in Alcoholics Anonymous called me this morning, and he's just dealing with some real anger. This is a great man, too. He's got a lot of years sober. He's has a beautiful family. He's sealed in the temple. He's just a, a great, great man. Not that all those things are, you know, what qualifies you to be a great man, but he does have those things in addition to be a great man. And He's dealing with these anger issues that are just so heavy, and it was like I had that same thought come to my head that uh, my sponsor told me. He says, you're not angry. You know, we got some fear that we need to deal with here. And, uh, man, he was really embracing of that idea. He's going to do a fourth and a fifth step on it, which means he's going to write it out and see, you know, where those things uh, come up and assume his own responsibility towards them and, and uh, then we then we can start healing them through the atonement of Jesus Christ because we recognize that hey anger can sometimes be fear and other things can come up as pride and so you know those things can really disguise themselves sometimes right? almost all the time Scott when I went through my experience and experimented uh, studied fear in the scriptures looked up every scripture and did all of that and I've I've uh, told that story before but but I I noticed that uh, almost all of my anger was the result of my of my fear and i believe that fear and pride actually are so closely uh knitted together yep uh, i mean they they are kind of linked in almost every case because both of them are the result of insecurities right a lack of faith in insecurities um p- pride really is the the trying to cover up for something that we think we are that, that we know we're not. And fear is a result of really not not having that perfect brightness of hope and assurance and confidence in God that, that things are going to work out, that there's a that there's a purpose and that uh, knowing who we are. 
So I don't know. I I hope our listeners will. You read me an email just a little while ago about a response we got from a listener who uh, identity is everything. You know, once they know that uh, who they are and that they they are not only God's son or daughter, but that uh, they're also a son or daughter of the covenant. They belong to Jesus Christ, and the most important purpose of this life is to have a relationship with deity, and, uh, you know, it makes all the difference. So as we as we go further into repentance, and this is, I think I referred last time to this as being the heart of the course, uh, you know, this, I saw, I saw a, um, one of the leaders of church education worldwide, he's over, he's over the worldwide program of church education, one, one of the one of the administrators, and uh, he gave me a hug. We're close friends. I I love him very much, and we're close and have been for several years. And he, he saw me over at the open house at the Saratoga Springs Temple, um, and he said to me, whispered in my ear, you'll be happy to know that the course that you designed is the most popular course worldwide institute. And uh, that, that made me, you know, felt, uh, made me really just feel humble and grateful and, and happy that so many are enjoying the blessings of Elder Anderson's book, which is the student manual of that course. Yeah. And that so many are feeling a need to develop a, a stronger, closer relationship with deity, Jesus Christ, as their Savior and Redeemer and trying to repent. So uh, as we continue on this course, I think this uh, the next few weeks uh, are kind of the heart of the course. And uh, we've talked about the uh, twin bullies of repentance, fear and pride. We introduced a little bit what repentance is not. I, I want to say something before we we get much further into this uh, about what the Lord thinks about repentance. Scott, that seems to be maybe the the starting point and the most important point. It's it's uh, it came to my attention several years ago that in the book of the Gospel of Matthew, that when Jesus comes out of the forty days in the wilderness, which is all recorded in Matthew chapter four that when he comes out of that experience, Scott, the first thing as he begins his mortal divine mission, the first word out of his mouth recorded in Matthew is the word repent. The first thing that Jesus teaches when he begins his ministry is repent. I think that's in verse 17, Matthew 4, verse 17. Uh, maybe we should turn turn there and and read it, share it with our listeners, and and maybe read a verse before to kind of set it up. But I, I just think that's extremely significant, and I don't think that Matthew did that by just coincidence. I think Matthew, as an apostle, knew that that was the central message of Jesus Christ and his ministry. And the central message, Scott, as we've learned from President Nelson, of all the po- apostles and prophets, right, is to declare repentance in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
That's their. That's. I think they would tell you that's the the heart of their ministry. Yeah. Anyway, so you want to read that? Story? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's start with verse sixteen. The people. Uh, so the people. This is talking about. This is, is right it? after he comes out of the forty days in the wilderness. Right. Uh, it says, "By the way, the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee, the Gentiles," and so they're kind of in that area. And then in sixteen, so Matthew four sixteen, the people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. Now this is 17. And, and from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First word, right? Yeah. And then right after that in 18. I mean, you put that in quotes. He did, yeah. For Those sure. are his words. Exactly. Repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then at 18, this is where he begins. And, he, and Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net. And and then we know how that goes. You know, he says, says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And so uh, he, he declares repentance. And then he begins to build those special witnesses and, uh, of his name to uh, kind of help carry that out. I, I just don't think it's possible to overstate how important that verse is, that the first word out of his mouth in his mortal ministry is yeah. repent. Yeah. Anyway, Scott, and the doctrine, okay, so I, I looked up every word or, or every scripture with the word repent and repentance in it several years ago in the Book of Mormon, and I don't know the exact number. I counted them all. And it's well over 300. It's, it's almost 400 times in the Book of Mormon alone, in just the Book of Mormon. I mean, the Book of Mormon, I think the reason the Book of Mormon is is uh, so powerful, Scott, is because of the message of repentance that's contained in there. All the examples and all the Christ-centered sermons that lead individuals to repent and change in the Book of Mormon. Well, repentance is in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, it's in all the standard works. But not hundreds of times like it is in the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon is the book of repentance. And uh, I know it had that effect on me. I mean, it, uh, reading the Book of Mormon on my mission really for the first time, going through it carefully and getting up really early and, and reading that, trying to work out my salvation on my mission, uh, not feeling that I was forgiven of my own sins and... I know, I know the effect it had on me personally, and so many others who I've I've seen throughout my life. It it humbles us. It teaches us the atonement of Jesus Christ. It just covers all of the bases of repentance, Scott, that we need in order to really uh, feel forgiven, to be able to forgive ourselves, and to rely in great faith upon our Savior. So. Um, Doctrine and Covenants in the first, uh, some of the first sections of the Doctrine and Covenants, Scott, the Lord uh, declares that uh, one thing that's more important than them all, uh, to declare nothing but repentance unto this generation. I, that's, that's significant. Can you, can you believe that he said that? Declare nothing but repentance. I, that's in the Doctrine and Covenants section 6, verse 9, section 11, verse 9, uh, section 19, and anyway, maybe just read one of those in uh, Doctrine and Covenants, section 6, verse 9, I think. Okay, so section 6, verse 9, and 
so uh, verily, I'm going to do eight and nine just to keep it in context. Very, very, verily, verily, I say unto you, even as you desire of me, so it shall be unto you. And if you desire, you shall be means of doing much good in this generation. And then he tells him how that can come about. Say nothing but repentance unto this generation. Keep my commandments and assist to bring forth my work according to my commandments, and you shall be blessed. Say nothing but repentance. And he repeats that yeah. four times. He repeats that four times in the Doctrine and Covenants, Scott. That's significant. That gets my attention. And then and then to the Whitmer brothers, right? And this is section 15, verse 6, and section 16, verse 6. Uh, yeah, the Lord repeats. The, these revelations are like word perfect, except the two names that are in the first verse. To the, these are the Whitmer brothers. And uh, let's, let's read what uh, 15... Verse six says, and and verse and section sixteen, verse six says says the same thing. So the Lord again repeats Himself, which is, I think, in the mouth of witnesses, two or more, right? Yeah. All right, here we go. Verse uh, section fifteen of the Doctrine and Covenants, verse six. And now, behold, I say unto you that the thing which will be of the most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people, that you may bring souls unto me that you may rest with them in the kingdom of my Father. So what's the thing of most worth? Repentance. Wow, that's... Can you believe that? There's so many things of great worth yeah. that we should be teaching, preaching, but it's repentance. Now, as I as we jump into this, uh, Scott, I, I have in my studies of... The principle of repentance. I I don't I hate to think of it in terms of steps. I like to think of it more as a process, and I think there are uh, kind of four parts of a process. And I even hate to use the word four because then people immediately try to put it into checklist. a checklist yeah. or or steps. Yeah. But I I want to as we go into this now in the next uh, several weeks, I want to talk about which we have already done to some degree, the foundations of repentance, the foundations of repentance, the conditions of repentance, the manifestation, or sorry, sorry, the actions of repentance, and then the manifestations of our repentance. So that's foundations, conditions, the actions and manifestations of repentance. And we'll talk about the first part today, which is the foundations of repentance. And much of this has already been covered in this course and this podcast. Because one of those conditions, or foundations, sorry, one of those foundations is to doctrinally understand the plan of redemption and where we fit in that plan, okay? And we've talked a lot about identity. We've talked a lot about that plan of redemption, that perfect plan of happiness. And then faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in his name and to understand and have faith in his atoning sacrifice, to really understand the atonement of Jesus Christ, God, 
seems to me to be a foundation upon which one must build their repentance. Next is to really understand what repentance is, and maybe especially what it's not. We started to talk about that last time. We'll talk more about that today. And then the one of the foundations of repentance, and I will never forget Elder Anderson's, uh, our meeting, when we spoke about this, and it was very touching and too personal for me to, to repeat to, to really anybody. Um, but he shared some very personal experiences uh, about individuals in his family and who he loves. And uh, he wanted to make sure that in the book that we covered the importance of honesty, being true to oneself, especially being honest with oneself, um, seeing things as they really are and not trying to hide our sins. That's a foundation of repentance. And we, and I just really think that's uncompromising. That's what he calls it. Uncompromising honesty. Yeah. So anyway, those are, I think what make up the foundations of repentance. And, uh, We've talked again about some of those, but let's finish talking about what repentance is is not, Scott. Before we do that, David, is it okay if we, uh, I, and, I, and there's a reason I'm about to ask this. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of times I think when we approach this uh, topic of repentance, there just can be, uh, and, and it's entirely dependent upon where I am in my spiritual process or my spiritual progress. If I'm if I'm doing great spiritually, then it then I may not have this experience. But if I'm not, you know, there may be a, a time. There may be times when the word repentance gets brought up, and some of us think, "Oh my gosh, here we are, going to display all my wrongs, going to take a look at everything that's wrong with me," and that and that can be sometimes that can be. I don't know, off-putting is probably not the right word, but but it can be that we can find some maybe some reluctance to kind of approach repentance because of the fear or maybe even the pride in getting back to those two twin bullies, right, that we may have about our misunderstanding of what it means when we say repent. Well, when we understand what it's not. <laughs> That'll help us, right? That will answer that question and help okay. help us overcome that problem. Okay. okay. Because and we can start with there. We don't. There's no. There's no necessarily yeah. starting point here. Repentance is not suffering. Let's just get that out of the way right now. Yeah. Repentance is not suffering. Uh, there may be some suffering in the process of repentance. But that's not because of repentance. That's because of the consequences of the choices. That's that we because made. of the sin. Exactly. But 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 my my I think what I'm kind of driving at here is that repentance. Uh, you know, when we talk about repentance, we're not talking about just sin. We're talking about any. And I guess I guess it's kind of a semantics here because anything that drives us away or separates us from the spirit of our heavenly Father, I guess uh, we could call that sin. Sure. You know, and Good but, definition. But, but but you know that can, that's not just you know immorality. That's not just being dishonest. That's not great point. That can also be anything. For example. 
example, and it's not a sin to feel this way, don't misunderstand me, but if people have anxiety or depressive disorders, things of those natures, you know, uh, when we talk, when we use the word repent, we're really just talking about turning away from things that separate us from the Spirit and turning and facing and embracing those things that draw me to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through the Spirit. All true. When we talk about repentance, Scott, it's... It's really about how can we get the powers there you go. and the blessings of Jesus Christ through his atonement into our life, yeah. including the enabling power to help us even keep the commandments. Right. So that there's almost a whole chapter in Elder Henderson's book on this, that, that repentance is not to just cover sins of commission, but sins of omission. Yeah. And every day, Scott, we commit those sins. Yeah, yeah. Every day we omit, or we just don't get around to, or we fail to do something we should have done. Right. Repentance is not just covering the things, all the the shall not commandments that I'm, we. Break. That's what I'm talking about, right there. That's right. It's it, repentance is to strengthen us and enable us, enable us, and compensate us. All of that. So repentance, I guess we're defining what it is now. <laughs> repentance is the process of getting all of the powers and blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ through his atoning blood into our life. That's right. You can't, you can't ever think of that, about that as being suffering. No, that's an invitation to joy. That's an invitation to peace, freedom. I, I mean, think of the freedom that comes to us when those things leave our lives. Uh, that's one of the great blessings that I get to see among recovering alcoholics and addicts is the freedom that comes as we turn and it, turn away from all that's wrong in our lives and turn towards him who is everything right in our lives. Right. There is not one negative aspect of any degree in, re, in the process of repentance. So it important. is completely 100% positive. And it's so important we understand that because that hasn't necessarily been I know. everybody's experience or, I know. Or, or, and maybe not even their experience, but just what they have come to believe because of what they think, what we think we've been taught. I don't think right. we've ever been, been led astray on this. I just don't think that we've understood the, the, the things that have been intended to be taught to us about Well, us. you know, I, I don't want to give a whole history of why I think we, ha- we, uh, we have in the past kind of had a culture of believing, kind of throwing up our hands in front of our face and, and wincing when we hear the word repent. Yeah. I, I don't want to, uh, there is kind of a history there, and I think it has been taught perhaps uh, by some in the church to be somewhat of a negative. But I, I, just, I just love President Nelson, who is trying to correct those false traditions and, and misunderstandings. Most of them have been misunderstandings, really. Uh, but, he, you know, he just has come out and said, which the scriptures teach, that repentance is a positive, not a negative. Uh, in fact, Scott, let's just turn to Doctrine and Covenants, section 19. And and let's start with verse 4 here, uh, since we're, we're on this. And read verse 4. This is a revelation given through Joseph Smith to Martin Harris. And listen to what he says in verse 4. And surely every man must repent or suffer, for I, God, am endless. So 
you would say, listening to that scripture, that repentance and suffering are what? Antonyms. <laughs> absolute opposites. That's right. They're absolute opposites. Yep. They do not you mean the same thing. You could choose to repent or, or suffer. Suffer. They're not this. They're they're just complete opposites. And, and our suffering comes from so many different places. Uh, you know, m- much of it, maybe most of it, sin. But there's a lot of suffering that we wouldn't necessarily put, in, you know, in quotation marks. I'm doing quotation marks here as sin, even though you know we would p- perhaps define anything that separates us from the spirit of our heavenly Father as sin. We don't necessarily see it that way sometimes, but. When we, when we read that, you know, we must repent or suffer. So anything that's causing us suffering, if we will just turn to him who descended below all things and suffered that he might know how to succor us, then we know that repentance is just a turning away from anything that's making us suffer. Yeah. Right? Re- absolutely. Okay. Repentance is not suffering. Now, I know it's been stated in the church, even even by... One of my favorite prophets, I don't, you shouldn't have a favorite prophet, but he's certainly one of my favorites. They're all my favorites, I guess, right? <laughs> Is President Kimball in the Miracle of Forgiveness, who said, if you haven't suffered, you haven't repented, in essence. And and so many in the church and even bishops and others thought, okay, so we got to make people suffer when they repent. That's not what he said. What he said is, if you haven't suffered, well, hey, Scott, we have all suffered because of our sins. A broken heart is not easy to go through. That's right. And that's an essential part of repentance. But that's not caused by repentance. It's the, it's, that's caused by the sin. The suffering. Yeah, the suffering. Uh, I, I think that we all, to some degree, suffer when we think of the suffering that we've caused Christ. That's not easy to go through. Right, but it's because of our sins and because of of the human nature in all of us that Jesus suffered for, and that's not easy for us to accept or realize. But that repentance doesn't cause that. Repentance is the process of using that in order to obtain the beauty and peace and joy that comes in the wake of repentance. I. So if we st- if we stick to section nineteen, you know, and this is I think been so misunderstood by by the church uh, by members of the church individually, some collectively. Let's start in verse thirteen. Wherefore I command you to repent and keep the commandments which you have received by the hand of my servant Joseph Smith Jr. in my name. So these commandments, these covenants, these things that have been restored, and in fourteen. It is by my almighty power that you have received them. Therefore, I command you to repent. Repent, lest I smite you with a rod, by the rod of my mouth, and by my wrath, and by my anger, and your sufferings be sore. How sore you know not, how exquisite you not know not. Yea, how hard to bear you know not. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all that they might not suffer if they would repent. But if they would not repent, they must suffer even as I. Which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. So, Scott, um, this 
that, by the way, that precious revelation right there, uh, I, I think about John Taylor, what he wrote in uh, his tribute to Joseph Smith and the patriarch Hiram Smith when they were both martyred. And the reason he says they were, well, he didn't give necessarily a reason, but he says that the Book of Mormon and the Doctrine and Covenants cost the best blood of the 19th century. And that passage right there that you read is worth the blood of two prophets, Joseph and Hiram Smith. Uh, I just I just think that's, I mean, that's like a thousand lights should go on for us, the, the Lord crying out about uh, what repentance is and how he suffered, that we might not have to suffer. But so many have taken that passage to mean that if we don't suffer, that we don't repent. I, so read, read verse, um, is it uh, 15 again? Read verse 15 again. Therefore I command you to repent. Repent lest I smite you with my wrath and by my anger and your suffering be sore. How sore you know not. How exquisite you know not. How hard to bear you know not. And then 16. For behold, I, God, have suffered these things for all, that they might not suffer if they would repent. And then 17, but if they would not repent, they must suffer even yeah, as I. okay. So, so many have kind of, I think, misunderstood that, that if we don't repent, that we're going to suffer like Jesus suffered. Well, I, I, I just don't believe that's what the Lord is teaching there. We will suffer. But our suffering won't be anything. I mean, we'll suffer not for our sins, Scott. But because of them. Jesus, exactly. Jesus Christ paid for all of the sins of all the world. And we don't have time in this podcast to go through every verse where he says that. I was crucified for all the sins of all the world. And And he repeats that over and over again. Um, we believe Jesus Christ suffered for all sin, whether repented of or not. Now, if you do, if you choose not to repent, you'll suffer, but not for the sin, and it doesn't say that in there, but we will suffer because of it. And I just want to read one paragraph from Elder Anderson's book. He writes... What, we, page, what page are you on in the book? This is page 134. We, we do have a lot of listeners that have the book. I know okay. all the kids that come to our institute class have well, this. Well, so. I, think, I think these are... these. T- this is a precious paragraph and in the, in the few paragraphs that follow it. We have no ability to pay for our own sins. Repentance is exactly the opposite of punishment. Repentance relieves the guilt and pain and suffering caused by sin. Jesus Christ paid for all the sins of the world. Our repentance does not pay for one ounce of the sins we have committed. I think I had written uh, when we were working on this, and I was kind of quoting Brother Matthews, Robert J. Matthews, because uh, he had told me, David, we can't pay back for one-tenth of one percent of any sin we've ever committed. But Elder Anderson says we can't pay for one ounce of any sin we've committed. The atonement of Jesus Christ fulfilled all the demands of justice perfectly, exactly. Our attention must be on him and our appreciation for his suffering 
not to be self-martyrs, cutting ourselves. I'm not quoting him right now, but we, we should focus on his suffering. Yeah. Scott, we shouldn't be martyr, self-martyrs and think that we're going to suffer and that that's repentance. Then he goes on. Uh, if we worry whether we have paid back or suffered enough for our sins, such a great sentence. If we worry whether we have paid back or suffered enough for our own sins, it will impede, and I think in some cases even shut down, our ability to repent and feel forgiven, bringing painful discouragement with it. Then in the next paragraph he says, a person cannot suffer for his sins, but he will suffer because of his sins. There is always a punishment in sinning, but the punishment, the suffering, and the pain are caused by the sin, not by the repentance. When someone has cancer and surgery is required, it is not the surgery or the doctor that is causing the suffering. It's the cancer. The surgery is temporarily difficult, but the cancer is the villain, not the surgery. Sin causes the suffering, not the repentance. So repentance is not the punishment. It's not the penalty. It's not the payment. It's not the suffering or the pain caused by sin. It's none of that. Repentance is not that. And I think that's really critical, because once once someone really understands that, then they can begin to think what repentance is, right? The application of the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Because Jesus has already suffered it. I don't have to. That completely motivates one to repent. Yeah, and it removes the barrier, one of the big barriers. You know, we did talk about fear and pride, you know, being twin bullies. Well, not understanding what repentance really is and how it really works, and to have the misunderstanding, the suffering comes to us as a part or because of the suffering of Christ and is part of our repentance, you know, to remove that barrier really frees us. And, and, and it, it actually, it, it extends a warm, welcoming invitation when he says, come unto me. You know, we just got done reading a part of section 19. I'm going to go down here to verse 23 of section 19 in the Doctrine and Covenants. And this is really kind of the promise or the release, the relief, the freedom that we get if we do begin to to uh, enter into this repentant awesome. process. He says in 23, learn of me and listen to my words. Walk in the meekness of my spirit. And here's the promise. And you shall have peace in me. Hmm. That's the theme for the church history tour. I'm just uh, getting ready to embark upon. How cool. Uh, is that is that very verse, God? It's one of my favorite verses. Yeah. Learn of me and you shall have peace in me. And learn of me invites us to learn of his, the price that he paid, right? So that we don't have to pay. And like we talked about last week, when it, when we say when he says come to me, he's inviting us to come to the Garden of Gethsemane and to the cross where he suffered, where we worship him, the suffering Christ. Christ suffered for, and and maybe we should say here. We'll talk more about this later. But when we talk about the 
I think one of the actions of our repentance or manifestations too of our repentance is the, the ability, the gift, to be able to forgive others. But I don't think you can even do that on your own right? without the blood atonement uh, sacrifice of Jesus Christ in our life. I mean, Jesus Christ and his suffering and what he did in Gethsemane and again on the cross where it was even worse as he suffered for our, our sins not only helps us, Scott, to uh, be forgiven, work out our repentance and be forgiven, it gives us the power to forgive if we really understand that. And uh, Elder Holland has done a beautiful job teaching that before. So um, repentance is not suffering, punishment, penalty, payment, pain of sin. It's the release, the joy, the healing, the cleansing. It's all of that. The freedom. Another thing that repentance is not, it's not a checklist. I can't believe how many times when I was growing up, and I think I think people are still teaching it. Well, I just way. Googled it, and it still popped up, five steps to repentance right here. <laughs> so I... And and most of them, so many of them put them in R's, right? The five R's, yeah. the six R's, the seven R's, the eight R's. So many R's of repentance, right? And uh, I'm, I'm so sad that that I tried to do that myself, and I couldn't figure out why I was not feeling forgiven, even though I'd checked everything off my list. You know, I, I'd gone through and pretty much done a, my own checklist, and I couldn't figure out after I'd checked them all off why why wasn't I feeling forgiven, Scott? Because it's not a checklist. Re- repentance is a condition of the heart. It's a uh, and we'll talk more about the conditions of repentance uh, a little later. But um, I love though in our discussion, Elder Anderson was so sweet and and inspired that he 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 told me you know david some people work better when they have a checklist some people they need a checklist and he understood and and he put in the book uh how how they can have a checklist if they need one but here's the key the checklist is focused in christ not in our actions but how can i have a checklist that focus my efforts in Jesus Christ. And so I love how he did that. And uh, he, he put down, recognize. Here, so here's, here's a checklist if you need a checklist. Okay. Recognize what I have done wrong in offending Jesus Christ. Feel remorse that my actions have offended God and cry, caused Jesus Christ to suffer. Resolve to change my behavior, realizing that my own willpower is not enough and that without the help of Jesus Christ, I am powerless to repent. Notice how all of these are focused and centered in Christ. Reform, there's, a, there's the fourth R, reform. So we've got recognize, remorse, resolve, reform, change, repent, appealing for the grace of Jesus Christ, his mercy, his power to help me never repeat the offense. And uh, the fifth R in his list is make restitution to those I have hurt and offended. Most importantly, the Savior. We'll talk all about 
a whole podcast maybe on restitution and what it means, who suffered the pain of all. In this way, he says, I am repenting. Well, here's the problem with having... Those who try to have a checklist, Scott, here's the problem, and and this is also in the book. Uh, a most e- egregious example of a checklist repentance was told by Elder David A. Bednar. He said, when I was president of BYU-Idaho, he actually said this, Scott, in a, uh, a mission president seminar. I don't know if that footnote's in the book, but... When I was the president of BYU-Idaho, I spoke with a bishop, and he shared this experience. He had received a confession from a young person who said, I was involved in immorality Friday night. You are the last thing on my list. Now that I have confessed to you, I feel great. Then Elder Bednar explained to all the mission presidents, That's not repentance. It cannot really be repentance unless it involves the Redeemer. Even if a person confesses, this was a confession with no regard for the Redeemer. So, Scott, of all the R's you can mention, right? There's only one that really matters, right? Redeemer. That's right. And I would add, rely. On the Redeemer. On your Redeemer. Rely on your Redeemer. That's what repentance is. It's not relying on a checklist or going through the motions or doing things that you think uh, somehow causes you to earn forgiveness because that's not the way it works. And that was my major mistake on my mission. I learned the hard way. That doesn't work. So there's a second thing that it's not. I think a third thing that it's not, which we talked about a little bit last time, especially as kind of a follow-up to faith, is that repentance doesn't, it, it doesn't save us. There's no, in and of itself, there's no redemptive power in repentance. The power behind repentance is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is who re, is who saves us. So I think that maybe that's all we need to say there, um, is that all the power is not in our actions, all of the power is not in what I do, and there's even no power at all in confessing to the bishop or in my own uh, crying or in any of that. That doesn't save me unless I have adequate faith in the Lord Jesus Christ And I believe in my heart of hearts that he really did suffer for my sins and that he is full of mercy and grace and is quick and anxious to speedily forgive me. Uh, Only when I have that kind of faith and understanding of Jesus Christ will I receive the power of forgiveness and repentance in my life. So... um, and then the final thing that repentance is not, and this one, this one would always, when I would teach this, my students would, uh, it would always kind of wake them up. You know how they, you get their attention, they kind of look up at <laughs> like you. Like a big going, aha moment. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> I would, I, I love teaching it because there was, it really hit a nerve with so many of my students. Repentance is not 
stopping a behavior. Repentance is not changing. I, I mean, I know President Nelson says that it is, and it is. Ultimately, that's the results of it. And ultimately, we need to change. But in and of itself. But in and of itself. Repentance is not merely stopping a wrong behavior. It's not changing a behavior. Why is that not repentance? Well, even atheists and agnostics can do that. Anybody can change a behavior. But there's no redemption in just stopping a behavior or changing a behavior. There's no redemption in that if Jesus Christ is not the center of it. And I, I love this quote, which I've used for so many years, and it's in the, it's in the book. Uh, this is Elder Ezra Taft Benson, who said... What, even, page, what page are you on this there? This is page 138. Even the most just and upright man cannot save himself solely on his own merits. If it were not for Jesus Christ, there could be no remission of sins. Stopping a behavior doesn't bring a remission of sins. Changing a behavior doesn't bring a remission of sins. But through Jesus Christ, he can bring a remission of sin, which causes the change of heart. So what repentance is not, Scott, it's not just change. It's a change of nature. In Jesus Christ. It's not just change of behavior. Right. It's a change of nature. That's what Elder President Nelson really means when he says repentance is change. It's a change of nature. It's a change of heart. It may even be, to some degree, a change of personality and character. It changes our life, not just our behaviors. That's true repentance. So I I think that that's maybe all we need to say about what repentance is not, and that helps us to understand uh, what it is. Maybe just one more quote from the book, President Joseph F. Smith. I love his, uh, right, his book uh, called Gospel Doctrine. Men cannot forgive their own sins. They cannot cleanse themselves from their own consequences of sin. Men can, can stop sinning, and they can do right in the future. And so far as their acts are acceptable before the Lord, they are worthy of consideration. But who shall repair the wrongs that have been done to themselves and to others, which it seems impossible for them to repair themselves? By, through the atonement of Jesus Christ, the sins of the repentant shall be washed away. Though they be crimson, they shall be made white as wool. Quoting Isaiah 118. This is the promise of repentance given to you. So, I, I, the atonement of Jesus Christ, it, it made the breach. It covered, it covered, it, it was a ransom, Scott. It, it paid the full demands of justice. We can't do that. We can't begin to do that. We can never do that. Worlds without end. E- even if we don't repent of our sins, we'll never, we'll never be able to fully pay the demands. And why would God, I remember having this brief conversation, um, 
do we believe Jesus Christ suffered for all the sins of the world? Yes. So if, if anyone believes that if you don't repent, that you're going to suffer again for the sins, ransom, demands of justice, then you have to ask yourself, would a kind, merciful God demand a double payment? Jesus paid for all of our sins, period. Our repentance is not to pay back, be punished for our sins. It is to receive the receive the gift of Christ's atoning sacrifice in our life. Scott, that's what repentance is. And that's how we receive it. And it should be so joyful to participate in that process. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Repentance is not easy. I don't want to give any wrong impression that we're saying that it's easy, breezy, and takes a little effort. It takes great effort to really understand what Jesus suffered not only for us, but because of us. And to have that broken heart and contrite spirit and to, to become uh, so humbled that we, we would confess to those that we have, and we'll talk more about that, that's a whole other podcast, confession and, and the, the process of repentance. I really think that's a manifestation of repentance. We'll read about that. But to, to go to the bishop, to, to go to those that we've hurt, to, to ask for forgiveness of others, th- that's not easy. There's nothing easy about that. But that's part of the process that helps us to tap into the full, redemptive, cleansing, healing power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. So I think another thing that we need to understand before we finish today in understanding what repentance is not and what it is there's so many scott who misunderstand repentance and think of it as an institutional activity right that was my experience teaching young adults in the church and i think so many youth in the church see repentance as an institutional activity or event that it is through the church Repentance is not through the church. It's not. It's not through the bishop. It's not through the priesthood. I'm, I'm not making light or lessening the effect of, of going to those with keys and re, repenting and the power of the priesthood to bless us and to, to help us through the process. I am saying forgiveness is never never through the church or an institution. It's through one individual, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered for our sins. Repentance is through him. It is an activity that centers and focuses on him. And any priesthood leader or individual who doesn't understand that will be trying to, to cause a shortcut of repentance. 
And that shortcut will actually short circuit the, the entire process. It will backfire. It will totally backfire and be counterproductive. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that's really important for us to understand. All of this is. But that one there can also be another huge roadblock. I, I mean, you just shared the experience that Elder Bednar shared with others. You know, well, now I'm, I feel so much better. Now that I've done this, this is the last thing on my checklist, the last thing I had to do. That last thing was the institutional act. Right. And once that confession, you know, I felt this, and I know many of us probably have, uh, and probably have felt like that we've been taught this, but I know that I have been in that situation. And once the confession, and once I felt like, you know, I received the good back in the good graces from the church, that all was well. And that created for me, actually, in some cases, more sin to ensue. Absolutely. Because I totally misunderstood it. Yeah, right. It, 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 it uh, short-circuited, as you said, and, and you thought you were done. Yeah. And you weren't done at all. No. That, the work, that that's that's... The real work is one making of the most, things right with Jesus Christ. One of the most dangerous forms of self-deception, in my opinion, is to think that because we have gone through that institutional process, that we have been forgiven of our sins. That's a different process. That's a different activity. That's a more come unto me, experience the peace, learn of me. Uh, th- those are the things that bring that, not sitting in the bishops or stake president's office. Those are important. You mentioned that. And I, don't, I do not want to diminish the importance of that. In fact, they can, pl- they can play, Scott, a critical role they do play. in the process because they are common judges. We have judges in Israel. Right. And they, they have keys that, that help us and to reconnect us. And they have the power to, to determine ordinances and our worthiness. They, they have the judgment and the spirit to determine worthiness to participate in the ordinances, which then help us to receive the full power and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. So you, we can't overstate, again, how important priesthood is in, in the process. But if you think that's repentance you will never be able to repent or feel forgiven. And to be clear, it's our job to make sure we understand that. No matter what our experience has been or will be in the future, it's our job. We are responsible to own and to execute our behavior with Jesus Christ. Right. It's not their job. Their job is to help us and to help assimilate that. And, and, and as you mentioned, to invoke ordinances and priesthood and all of those things, which so gets important. back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we talked about faith in his name. That's why we do this the as a process. power of godliness is manifest in the ordinances. The power of the atonement of Jesus Christ is manifest in the ordinances. That's all important, and that's all a, not just important, it's a critical component yes. to this repentant proce- repentance process. Yes. But the repentance... But it's not repentance. It's not. The repentance comes as we develop our relationship with Jesus Christ and qualify for the blessings, the blessings, the uh, unconditional and conditional effects of the atonement of Jesus Christ. As we become qualified for those, that's when the repentance takes place. Amen. And we'll talk more about what should be confessed and what shouldn't be confessed to the church when we get to that part of repentance in a few weeks. Scott, thank you so much. I've, I've enjoyed our discussion today about what repentance is not, which should help us then understand what repentance is and 
I am just so grateful, so, so, so thankful for the gift of repentance in my own life and hope all of our listeners will understand. You know, maybe, maybe this institutional thing, maybe we should end on a, on a scripture, Scott, in uh, Doctrine and Covenants section 10, uh, revelation given through the prophet Joseph Smith when he lost 116 pages. And I've always found this to be a really interesting verse on repentance and the church and how the Lord uh, does tie them together. Once you read 66 and 67, Scott. Yea, if they will come they may, and partake of the waters of life freely. Behold, this is my doctrine. Whoever repenteth and cometh unto me, the same is my church. Who's the church? Whoever cometh to me and repenteth. (laughs) I think that's an interesting definition of the church, don't you? Yeah, that is an interesting definition for sure. So even though repentance is not an institutional activity, right? Amen, hallelujah. If you don't repent, you're not of Christ's church. Right. You're not part of the body of Christ. You're really not part of the body of Christ and enjoying all the blessings and ordinances and powers of Christ through his atonement, which can flow into our lives. I think the next verse is really interesting, too. Verse 68. Whosoever declareth more or less than this... There you go. The same is not of me, but is against me. Therefore... He is not of my church. <laughs> so again, the, the thing that's most critical, we'll end this podcast how we began. The Lord has told us over and over again, the thing that's most, most critical and of greatest worth is to repent. And uh, I hope that we can all enjoy that blessing, that freeing blessing in, our, in each of our lives. Yeah, me too. Great discussion. I really look forward to what's to come next and next and next after all of that. This process is such a fun experience for me as we begin to open up and allow the Spirit of our Heavenly Father to testify to us the truth of the things that we've talked about today. There's just such great freedom and such great joy. And maybe above all of that, the peace that comes to us because of His atonement. Thanks for being with us. Remember, you have been redeemed through his blood, and we look forward to being with you again next week. Have a great week, everybody.